why is unbelievers more willing to embrace the truth than, I, I mean, it happened during Jesus' day, right? It was the religious leaders of that day that didn't accept him. But it was the people on the street that wasn't really digging what was going on in the traditional sense in Israel that embraced Christ. We cannot find in the Bible examples of what we see on the quote-unquote church playing field today. There is no one man who stands up in front of everybody. A pastor is not supposed to be taking on all the five-fold ministry of the diverse roles. He's not supposed to be doing that. A pastor is supposed to be feeding the sheep, nurturing, right, encouraging, and being responsible for, for the people that are with him, right? You have shepherds that are keeping away wolves. They're outward perimeters, right? You have prophets who are literally hearing from the the God of all creation. And then they're relaying that information because God does nothing without whispering first to the prophets. When we just start to rattle off a couple verses about what the Bible says brothers dwelling together in unity looks like, or a ecclesia, a governing ruling body, it doesn't look anything like what we see being done out there in the world today. Welcome to the Days of Noah podcast, where we talk all things biblical, supernatural, and strange. Today we have a special episode as a group of us podcasters get together for what we call the Majestic Mashup, and it centers around the question of, what is the question or questions that you wish you could ask in church, but are afraid to do so, or you wish your church leaders and fellow church members would talk about, but it seems like they never address. And a lot of times these are the more supernatural issues of life. If any of you have had those experiences and you want to go to your pastor or leaders and ask them, what does this mean? How do I interpret this in light of scripture? And sometimes when you do go to them, they don't have a context for it because In many cases, these pastors are not being trained on what is actually in their Bible. And so they will dismiss it as, you need psychological help, or you need a priest to do an exorcism. And in this first half, the question that was posed by one of our listeners was, why do we do church the way we do? And where do we see it in Scripture? So this is... Again, a collaboration, a mashup, if you will, of Rod Smith from the Millennial Mustard Seed, who organized our call, and also Michael Basham from Fringe Radio Network, along with Spirit Force Radio and Strange O'Clock. He has been a leader in this space for many, many years. And then also Rick Copeland from That's So Fringy podcast, and of course my co-host Luke And guys, we want to thank you for listening out there. We do this to talk about important topics that are maybe underrepresented. And so we really appreciate you listening out there. And if you could go visit these podcasts, That's So Fringy, The Days of Noah podcast, The Millennial Mustard Seed, and Michael Basham on any of his shows on the Fringe Radio Network, Spirit Force, Strange O'Clock, 
we really do appreciate your support. And if you could give us a five-star review on your favorite podcast platform, leave a positive comment. These things help to grow our channel. So uh, please do that and know that we appreciate each and every one of you out there. So with that, enjoy this first half of our mashup conversation. We are here live on Fringe Radio Network, and it is an honor to be back with such a majestic mashup. Man, we got something really cool going on today because we're going to be asking questions, and we have been taking questions from listeners all around the world and around the country about stuff that they feel uncomfortable asking within the four walls, within the church. And this is an epic mashup. Obviously, we got the one and only Michael Basham here from Spirit Force Fringe Radio Network. We're joined by Rick from That's So Fringy podcast. And then we got brothers Pete and Luke from the Days of Noah podcast. And this is Rod from the Millennial Mustard Seed. Guys, it is an honor to be here. Uh, it's This is cool. Yeah, this is a lot of fun. I'm glad you guys uh, put this together because, you know, we, we're all having these questions in our minds. We're all talking about this stuff. And, and this is Rick with That's So Fringy podcast. We talk a lot about, you know, all of these questions that people have and all of these weird things that are going on in the world right now. And we're all trying to kind of just nail it down and be like, okay, what is really going on out there? And what is, you know, what's up with these aliens? What's up with these cryptids? What's up with all this stuff? And for those, of us that are believers, uh, we begin to start asking the question, like, how does this fit in with my worldview? You know, how does this fit in with the Bible? How does this make sense to me and my friends? And, uh, but you know, it's too crazy, right? It's too fringe. So we can't ask those questions. It makes people uncomfortable at church, you know? Well, you know, the idea of this podcast is just to kick the doors open, you know, just like whatever. We don't care about all of these social things where you're not allowed to do this and you're not allowed to do that. We want to just talk. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm up here in Wisconsin. Uh, Luke and I grew up here. And, and like he said, he's in uh, Louisiana. And so, yeah, we've been doing the Days of Noah podcast now for about a year this month, I think it is, uh, 50 some episodes already. and got to know uh rod this past year and and uh introducing us to to you guys this morning is great so yeah it's great to be here and as uh as i kind of think of like the elevator pitch or sentence for the inevitable when you tell someone you do a show or a podcast they're like whoa what's it about because they're always intrigued you know that you do a podcast even though there's millions of them out there I, th- I think well how do i answer this in a concise way and I think uh, I think for us it's uh, ancient history and biblical prophecy, and uh, and Rick, you said earlier about making connections, um, and so so like the the tagline that I put in our description is uh, uncovering the past, uh, connecting the present. So there's that word again, and then discerning the future because it's about what's coming. Wow, I love that. That's. That's very, uh, I always struggle to introduce my show. I'm always like, uh, 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 well, you know, everything that gets you banned, you know, first of all, and, uh, you probably called you crazy and, um, FBI warrant check thing, all those things. 
But no, I, I feel like I'm learning from you guys how to present to this new generation. Because it's like everybody's talking about this stuff that used to be conspiratorial. And um, is it my turn or, Rod, did you, are you going to go no, last? Yeah. Or? yeah, I'll go last. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I just wanted to answer what y'all have been saying. But just to double check for everybody, we've got um, Luke and Pete from the Days of Noah podcast. And we have the That's So Fringy podcast with Rick Copeland. And um, and I'm Michael Basham with Spirit Wars and Spirit Force Fringe Radio Network and a host of other shows, Strange O'Clock podcast. And I love collaborating with other people, Omega Man Radio. And just it's been I've just been a listener. I'm just like a major nerd to listen to podcasts since 2004 and traveling the world. And then um, I had enough crazy things happen that it was like we need to do a show about the cult that I was in or about aliens or book of enoch and then people were like no you need to do it and then finally johnny mcmahon um, handed me the fringe radio network and he's like look let's do this and then i got all these people mad because i had all these crazy people that i brought on my show so the first like 30 episodes are really really edgy and like uh, like even i wouldn't agree with a lot of it but like la marzuli left and all these people got mad and left and and i'm like i'm sorry but johnny stood up for me and he's like michael stays on the network you know so I, I've never experienced that level of camaraderie and love. And, um, and you know, years later, after like lawsuits and trauma and traveling the world and getting married in Hawaii and having two beautiful kids and whatever, all this crazy stuff happened. And now getting involved in local politics, which I've never expected to do, kind of seeing like a front row seat of like a small town in America getting taken over by communists. I mean, that's what we've been dealing with here. Um, I'm just, now I'm like, I'm so busy that I'm just so thankful to see you guys take, take this. Like, okay, here, here's your father's lightsaber. Take this. Go fight Darth Vader. I'm getting too old for this kind of thing. You know, um, I do my show in the car sometimes. I'm just like, I know there's the need to have a daily show, but I don't have like the setup to even do this like regularly enough. So I really appreciate you know, meeting you guys and I'm definitely going to be listening to all y'all's shows. So anyway, that was a little long, but, um, um, passing the torch over to, to ride. Whatever you want to Yeah. And man, I just appreciate and enjoy each one of you guys here. Like Michael, what you do is phenomenal. Like the need for content for sound minds to be in the airways. Cause there's a million messages and a million signals going out, causing a lot of confusion and chaos. So when we have a sound mind who is not afraid to say, listen, I'm going to take my thoughts captive into the obedience of Christ. I'm going to go the places where I don't care if you support me because I'm going here or not. I'm going to read the depths of the scripture. I'm going to ask the tough questions. I'm going to stand up and be unashamed about what I believe. And I'm going to represent the people that have been neglected and misled. So I appreciate each one of you because each one of you do that on your shows. Now, what I was saying off air before we went live is like, we all kind of dovetail each other, but each show has this unique kind of really cool niche perspective, but then the wires get crossed and you can see, oh my gosh, everything Rick was just working on these last three episodes literally bolts and connects to Pete's episode he just dropped. And I just did a big overview episode with it. And like, you can start to see, wow, all this connects together. This is like, this is what's going on in our day and age that the spirit of God is allowing people to get equipped with wisdom and understanding because we have been uh, neglected by the building. 
And why we're here today is to talk about the tough things that we can't talk about at the church. And we want you guys as the listeners to understand this. You guys hear me. You have a place here with us to ask the weird questions. You have a place here with us to dive into the strange, whatever you want to deal with. If the, if your pastor won't answer it or that you get dropped by the wayside or neglected, you're not going to get treated that way with me. And I know that these other guys here are genuine and they're willing to wrestle through and lock arms through the weirdest questions to even just the basic questions. Like, how do I take captive my thoughts, Rod? Right. I mean, that's a genuine question. Most of these pastors just want to stand up. They want to preach. They want you to put money in the hat and show up next week and be a good little boy in between. Right. But that's not how we rock over here. We are soldiers of the most high God. Um, we we serve the greatest God. He's greater than we can wrap our heads around. And I don't mean to be long winded, but just kind of laying a bit of a foundation here. Um, and what I do is give people a place to talk about that. And I've covered a diversity of different topics from anecdotal stuff to having doctors on and everybody in between. It's just a really broad spectrum, right, of of information. It's just a library that grows of just like you have a place here. We get weird. We talk about it all. And so this is kind of like coming up to a head, you know, for the mustard seed to be. Uh, I'm humbled to be hanging out with you guys and have this opportunity because it's like everything that I've been driving and pushing for and, and planting and watering all of these years. And now just to see God say, Hey, I'm going to give you guys some growth. I'm going to get you connected with like-minded people. And for you listeners out there, um, we, we have an interesting episode for you guys and thank you for being here. So Michael, back to you. No, don't don't hand me back the mic. You know what's gonna happen. I mean, I just drank three coffees. I've been like dreaming about this moment, and uh, yes. I need to not talk so much. But oh, geez. Um, we're gonna do some. We're gonna do some collaborations, Rod. Amen to everything you said, and we're gonna try to bring this because I think for the new like listeners, podcasters, and new by like I mean like two years, you need to know that you're a part of something that's gone back decades. This fringe Christian movement going back the early days of Michael Heiser coming on coast to coast. And then Derek Gilbert, you know, when he was doing his shows with the camcorder, you know, and um, it's important that, you know, this is like, it's, it really is like star Wars and the, the lightsaber. And like some people have turned to the dark side of the force, you know, you know, here's your lightsaber, you know, your father wanted you to have this. He's like, it's more elegant weapon from the earlier days of podcasting, you know, before the days of <laughs> of uh, Hebrew roots, and uh, you know, it was like this. But then we're, we remember, like, oh, so and so became a heretic, and so and so died. A lot of people have died. You know, it's mm-hmm. been a war. So yeah, I, I just, really I'm going to shut up, and I want to know more about your guys' shows, but and also these at the core is like those questions your church won't address. Like, do you guys go to church and ever meet like uh, anybody that's ever even heard of Michael Heiser's material or anything book of Enoch? Like I've noticed there are churches that we're finally breaking through into that. Like it's oh, yeah. pretty cool. I've had people from my church uh, that have found our podcast, you know, cause we're kind of a small town. We live over in Oregon and we're kind of a small town. And so we're, we're really broadcasting around the world, but, but we're also like normal 
people just walking down the street and doing our thing, you know, and, and, and living our life. And then when you have somebody come up to you and be like, oh, hey, I was listening to this episode and I couldn't even believe that that was you. That was crazy. And then there's this other person that was like, oh, we've had this big, this big, uh, following of of go all these other podcasts and then we realized that you guys were doing a podcast and and then you start having these conversations in your church talking about all all of the things that we're not allowed to talk about like specifically like what's going on in the world right now when it comes to adoption and abortion and all of those different things and how you know they're not allowing Christians to adopt kids because they think that you're not inclusive enough. And so there's actually people that are contacting us and being like, Hey, I, I think that the, that there is this agenda because I literally just filled out my adoption papers. We had to take this test. We had to talk and they had to come and look at things and they were urging us not to actually go through with writing down our Christian beliefs because they were afraid that we weren't going to be able to adopt. And I'm just like, who are these people getting to talk to? Like it, you know, are they, does the pastor have time to counsel these people? Are they, are they able to share this information? Has, does anybody else have this same experience, you know? And so bringing all these people together on the internet is a way that we can really become the church. I believe the way that Jesus you know, in expected it to become eventually, right? Because it was a mustard seed he planted when he was here and, and it's had to grow over time and it's taken a long time to get to where it is now. But we're noticing as Michael's talking about handing off the baton or the lightsaber, as he so eloquently, eloquently put, um, being able to do that and to hand over that is is a way to continue to further the kingdom. It's the same thing as as Paul writing his letters. It's the same thing as all of these guys. And I'm not saying that Michael is Paul, but this is what we've been doing throughout the whole history of the church is passing down information and and making sure that it meets God's expectations, right? That that the message is getting put out correctly and that people are getting to hear all of the things that they need to hear. And if they're too afraid to ask, well, then they're not hearing anything. Was it the, uh, you know, the Enlightenment, 1800s, Age of Reason, and and Darwinian was coming on? And I think at some point, Christianity kind of backed away from some of the more uh, harder to discuss, discuss things in the Bible, the more supernatural things, the more fringy things, right? And uh, And just kind of stuck with the nuts and bolts, easy to preach. Um, they didn't want to make themselves look too crazy and we're paying the price for that now because, um, and, and, but again, to flip that on its head, shows like ours, I hope are trying to talk about these, these experiences that people have and give a biblical context for it. So now we can have a better answer for Noah's flood. We can have a better answer for the holy wars of Joshua, you know, the haram wiping out every man, woman, and child. I don't think we had a good answer for those things before this. 
you know, we would just say, oh, well, God's sovereign and, you know, everyone's sinful. And so it's only as by his grace that we're saved. And that's true. But if you have a better answer for that, that, okay, there was defilement of the human genome. There was genetic manipulation. There was trying to prevent Genesis 3 prophecy of the Messiah, the seed of the woman. That was Satan's plan. And uh, Ryan Peterson, in his book, Judgment of the Nephilim, lays that out pretty well in the Old Testament. Now we have a better answer for the atheist that says, um, your God's a genocidal maniac. Oh, no. God was preserving humanity and the Messiah, the savior of humanity, by doing these drastic things because there were drastic times going on. The, the, the violence, the bloodshed, the perversion of the golden age was going on. So I think now we can talk about those things in the biblical context today. Like Mike Heiser, we keep bringing up, bridging the gap to the secular UFO community and finding those guys are more interested in these topics than the people he sits next to in a church service. Um, and to me, it, it makes Christianity a lot more, I don't know how you can't be excited to be a believer and partner in this mission when you see how it connects to history and what's coming. Because, and I've said this, Luke and I have said this many times on the show, it's like all Hollywood's ideas, you know, the whole Marvel series, they're great. They're good stories. They're exciting. All that stuff, the superheroes, all this stuff, that's based on things from the past that was real. And it's, it pales in comparison to the real story that God has allowed to play out and that he's going to bring to completion. So I think it's exciting. That's awesome. Well, should we get into some of these questions? I know some some people have sent in questions. Mm-hmm. Um and we've got a bunch of them to get into today. Does anybody have a question they want to throw out? Yeah, I think um, this this is a really elaborate and interesting and cool question. And it kind of lays out the whole premises of why we're even doing this. So it's multi-layered, but I'm going to read it here real quick. Um, so the question that came in from a listener was, who said that the way we have church now is the way that it is supposed to be done? what is church really? And where does it say in the Bible, how church should be, uh, how church should be done and who came up with the way things are now, like the three songs, then announcements, then taking tithes and offerings, and then one man preaching and we all leave. So it's multi-layered. It kind of in a, in juxtaposes the whole overview of why we're doing this. And it's like, actually, you guys, we cannot find in the Bible examples of what we see on the quote unquote church playing field today. We can't actually see that. There is no one man who stands up in front of everybody. A pastor is not supposed to be taking on all the fivefold ministry in the diverse roles. He's not supposed to be doing that. A pastor is supposed to be feeding the sheep, nurturing, right? Encouraging and being responsible for, for the people that are with him, right? You have shepherds that are keeping away wolves. They're outward perimeters, right? You have prophets who are literally hearing from the, the God of all creation. And then they're relaying that information because God does nothing without whispering first to the prophets. And it's like, 
when we just start to rattle off a couple verses about what the Bible says brothers dwelling together in unity looks like, or a ecclesia, a governing ruling body, it doesn't look anything like what we see being done out there in the world today. And I don't say that to try to like disrespect these people, but it is what it is. It comes to the point where you got to draw a line in the sand and you got to say, is this biblical? Can I actually, you guys say you represent the Bible, right? I come here to get the word of God from you guys. And there's supposed to be all this, this, these resources, but the Bible that you say you represent, does it, are you doing things in accordance with what is written there? And I think that that's needs to be talked about. I don't really see bold people coming up. That's not something that is going to be favored. Most people are not going to like that. You're not going to get super popular for that, but men who the masculinity that's coming back into the church, the men are shaking their head going, yeah, you're right. Because the women have really held it down for a long time. Let's be honest here, guys. The women have really held it down. Most people, uh, I hear story after story after story. My grandmom was praying for me. Where was your dad? Oh, he was in jail. But my grandmom was praying for me. She said Jesus was real, right? And planted those seeds throughout this person's life, who now just got baptized and is turning a local city up on his head because he's a young man is out there preaching the gospel, right? So now the masculinity is coming back into the church and we got questions and we're looking at the model of how things are set up and we're going, well, that's not, that's not actually what I've been reading in my prayer closet and having a show like what I do. How big is your God is what people got to ask themselves before they mess with me. Because it's like, if if you want to put God in a box, right? How big is your Jesus? Well, if he's only this big because you can't talk about aliens and Jesus in the same sentence, well, then you've made him that big. Because if you know who Dr. Michael Heiser is, you'll see the correlations and the word studies and everything is there for us to understand. Wow. God is bigger than we can imagine. It is for most of you out there, you you could feel comfortable saying the God we wish to worship. And I put myself in that category too. Because the, the revelation is continual. He is unfolding. And I believe he is greater and more powerful than we could ever imagine. So with that question and my little rant there, I mean, you guys just start picking that apart. I mean, just let's build on to that question and then we'll get into some other questions here as well. But why is why is it the way it is today? We've become a kind of spoiled nation that like doesn't have a lot of challenge except just to cover our rent and our bills and you know, in Taiwan, I used to go to these like Buddha churches, just got invited to one. And I went and it was like, this feels just like church in America, like a mega church, like just community, people come together. They're even talking about miracles and ghosts and crazy cool things. Like I could understand enough of the Chinese to kind of follow along and be like, wow, this is like a really weird church in America. Or something. <laughs> but what's the difference here? Like, I mean, the church, the early church in the catacombs, you know, being persecuted. I'm We're seeing in Haywood County uh, repentance of a lot of these good old boys, good old Baptist church people, pastors. I don't even know what denominations coming and repenting on the streets and showing their faces in solidarity. Praying because you've got LGBT pedo clown stuff happening in a small town in the mountains. And it's like everybody's lost control and they were all like too busy with their phones or their jobs or whatever. And they're like, holy crap, we're about to lose our town. Let's all get together and pray. And that to me, I think the the persecute and then there's internet witches cursing them. Like you gotta you gotta see these posts. Like this little town, it's it's like stranger things. It's like strange, weird stuff. So I think the persecution, what we're hearing is gonna help bring people back together and 
And then meanwhile, us podcasters and people that have been online and like, yeah, we've been talking about this for years, you know, welcome to the club. And But we need to get ready for a big influx, not just of listeners, but get ready to meet people physically that are going to be inviting you to come speak, to come lead their Bible study, to come be their their tech guy for the local um, people that run. It's I'm seeing this like we've been like this starship fringe Christians, like in the hovering in the Internet. And then now we're like landing and it's going to be awesome. You're we're like coming in. They're like, we come in peace. They're like, who are you? Are you with the bad guys? No, I don't have time to explain. Come with me. I'll explain on the way. That's yeah. kind of how it feels. So um, yeah, what do you guys around, think? Like, I mean, what does church look like? Yeah. I, th- I think that church for me has always been a big issue because I, you know, when I was young, I went to a, a Baptist and this isn't a knock on Baptist church, but I went to a Baptist church. That's just the reality of it. And it was uh, garbage for a kid. I mean, I was just like, this is garbage. I don't want to do this. And my mom was like having to force me to behave and to sit still. And, and I'm a, I'm a boy, you know, all I want to do is run around and kick doors open and, you know, do all kinds of crazy things, climb everything. I'm trying to, I'm trying to jump from pew to pew. I'm not trying to listen to the pastor, you know, and the thing is, is we, as, as men, if, if we're as going back to what Rod was saying, if we're to come into the church and say, this is, this is what we need to do is take this thing back over from the women. I thought that was such a great point. We need to take this back over from the women and stop arguing about the flowers and the color of the carpet and, and the decorations in the foyer and all of these different things. Do we have coffee or do we not have coffee? It doesn't really matter. Like, do you have Jesus? This is the question that we should be asking. And so when we, when we talk about you know, the men standing up, we have to start asking why, how did we get here and what has allowed us to do this? And there's a really good book by Frank Viola. I don't know if you guys know Frank Viola. He's kind right of, on, a, man. he's oh, kind yeah. of a, uh, uh, he talks about home church and, and, and how we're supposed to be living, uh, our, our Christian lives each and every day in community. But he wrote a book called Pagan Christianity. And I'm going to plug that one every day for the rest of my life on this topic because it's, it's a really quick way for somebody to be able to read all or listen on Audible or whatever. All the information that you're looking for on this topic. It's such a huge question that for us to really break it down in the amount of time that we're going to, I mean, we could do it over episodes, but it's really good. If you want to know the answer to that question today, you could pick up that book and, and uh, check it out. But he basically goes through all of the reasons that we have everything that we have. I mean, he talks about Christmas. He talks about um, how, you know, the pastor's standing up there and the congregation is listening and why and how we got that public oration, how it's one guy standing up and talking, how that comes from way back in the Greeks. Uh, and that's how they used to do things is stand and orate. And so we, we have to educate ourselves so that we can lead the church because when we know that, that it was all paganism, that brought us into the way that we are walking through our churches now, then we have to, you know, put aside paganism. We have to, at at what point do we say, this is paganism. It's been proven. So let's stop doing it. 
Rick, to your point, um, I think you, you brought up some good things. Like, I think a church should definitely be asking the questions. Um, what is tradition? What is paganism that is, you know, it's came into the, to the building as far as how, how churches uh, are running or uh, operating. Um, obviously, Apostle Paul was a leader, you know, over many churches. So he, I'm sure he did stand in front of the, the group of believers and bring a message. Um, I know they appointed deacons and uh, other people to, to lead uh, everybody there. But uh, I, think, I think it'd be good for all of us just to be humble um, and to let the Lord and the Holy Spirit redirect our steps. Because I think you're right. Uh, church has been lost in tradition in, in a lot of ways. That's always how we did it. Um, Peter, we just had Tim Bentz on our show again, and he was giving a story about how there was this major issue that was happening in a church building. And when he brought this, this issue to the, to the church leaders, they dismissed him, even though he had evidence, they totally dismissed him. But when he brought it to an atheist or someone that didn't have a relationship with Christ quite yet, that person's like, I don't want to offend God. So this might be another question that we could dive into is, why is it, why is unbelievers more willing to embrace the truth than I, I mean it happened during Jesus' day, right? It was the it was the religious leaders of that day that didn't accept him. But it was the people on the street that wasn't really digging what was going on in the traditional sense in Israel that embraced Christ. Yeah, that's the danger of of entrenchment, right? Of entrenched institutions, whether it's the Pharisees in Jesus' day or the Sadducees or the, the leaders, right? Um, you know, I remember a, a, a pastor of mine, I respect him to this day, but uh, from a couple decades ago, and I remember him talking about how it's a good thing that we have these hierarchies of denominations and so on, and, and that helps keep out heresy and 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 error, Um but I really think that's kind of backwards. I think it entrenches it and it makes it slow to change, you know, just like um, I think it was the American Heart Association, you know, 1950s, they're recommending trans fats. Like institutions, when they become entrenched, are, are very slow to change. And yeah, I have to echo and agree wholeheartedly. We could do hours on this about Frank Viola's book, Pagan Christianity, and then how he talks about organic church and what does that look like? Um, for me, real briefly, it was Francis Chan's book, Letters to the Church, that kind of opened that door, Pagan Christianity as well. And then more recently, Tim Kurtz um, wrote a book on the meaning of the word church and how King James, the version of the Bible that a lot of us hold pretty dear, and it is a good version, that King James believed in the divine right of kings and he didn't want any competition. And so he deliberately told his translators to mistranslate the word ecclesia and translate it as church, which is a building, a place. Because 
And, and, and there were certain areas where he actually didn't do that on purpose, where it made the ecclesia look bad. So that those ones he left in, um, but he didn't want any now, challenge on, to Pete, that. Are you, are you, are you daring to challenge my, my King James <laughs> my KJV? Bible? Hey, it's a great <laughs> translation, but it's my not. King James Bible from my cold dead fingers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We got to look at a lot of translations, but I, I just echo that. And oh, I think it's, geez. you know, to, to go back to the original question, how do we do church and why? Uh, we have a great window. Paul wrote Corinthians and in 11 chapters, 11 through 14, he peels back the curtain because there were problems that he had to address. And so we get a window into how they met. Um, so that's a great place to start. And of course, acts, but yeah, um, you know, we've, as a family, we've been meeting in a home with a handful of other people now for about eight months. Uh, it was, it was a process. It was maybe six, seven, eight years ago that I first came, came across this material. My wife was not ready. I put it on the shelf in my mind. Then, um, our church had just paid off the mortgage and we thought, wow, you know, a couple thousand a month, maybe in, in, in cash flow. what are you guys going to do for evangelism to reach out to the community? The answer we got back was, well, two Sundays a year, the Community comes to us, Easter, Christmas. Wow! So that's how we're going to reach out. So, so ridiculous. Easter is yeah. not, and I just went through this word study recently. Um, Easter is not actually in the Bible as what we know right. it as. Yeah, it's a whole different thing. So when we actually look at the word Easter, it comes from Pentecost. It's it. We have the Hebrew word for it and the Greek word, and it has nothing to do. With rabbits or eggs, which if we look into Estar, you know, the, these ancient yes. goddesses that are fertility. of fertility and producing many things. And, There's that and mixture bunnies, right there. And, and, and it's just like, that's just a surface glance. But how many people in the actual building are willing to hear me out on that? Like, like, why do you guys want to flip the switch and call me crazy or cut me off if I even start opening my mouth in that direction? Because... I believe the fear of the Lord is about to come back into the real church, the real ecclesia. And you guys, that sometimes this is a battle for your soul. You know what I mean? Sometimes this is a battle so that you guys, you're not veiled to the point where you're just the blind leading the blind. You both fall in a ditch. What does the word say? The word is never going to fade away. And Man, I just love what all of you guys are saying right now, because really it's feeding into the reality. You know, we have to come to, uh, understand that all the systems that are set up, right? If this enemy is really real, right? If there really is an accuser of the brethren, which is not an individual, it is literally a type of entity that exists that accuses us. So there's not one of them, which is a surprise for many people in the church. And if we come to the reality that the whole system history, as we have been taught that, you know, the the poisons in our foods, society, the flashing lights, everything grabbing our attention, everything that's sucking us in to keep us distracted from who we are, who we're called to be, who gave his life for us. That means we have value. If Christ did what he said he did, which I believe he did, and he rose again, according to scriptures on the third day, that means we have some significant value and it cannot be understated or underplayed. We could spend the next three days just talking about the glory of God and how he conceals the matter and the duty of the princes and the kings to seek it out. And it still wouldn't be enough. But for the sake of the flow of the conversation, I'll move on to the point if we really understood who God thinks that we are, knows that we are, made us to be, sees that we are, sees our final product, final status, 
um, we, we would not be, uh, so easily, we, we wouldn't be sequacious. Well, let's just go with the flow, whatever the local pastor says. No, actually, you know what? The ecclesia, you guys, the governing body, the Holy Spirit promotes people and puts people in according to the anointing. It has nothing to do with your seminary. It has nothing to do with how much head knowledge you have. It has, has to do with have you stored the word in your heart? Can you make sense of what the word says? Right. And so, the spirit of God is about to do what the spirit of God does, the measure and the fullness, the grace for the falsified operating systems that are being exposed. We're exposing the SRA stuff. We're exposing the DID stuff. Michael Basham, me and you have talked about level one and level two um, false reality overlays, right? Like we're all subject to these demonic systems through frequency, through imagery, through the culture, through the food. It's all like these mild poisonings because they're terrified of us at the end of the day. They're terrified of us coming together and getting what's happening and knowing who we are and who we belong to. So they have to kind of like inch their way in and try to poison us a little bit and try to choke us out a little bit just to hinder us from actually firing on all cylinders. And this is what pisses me off about the enemy. It's like, we're seeing his position. We know where he is. And what is, what does the Archangel Michael say? He said, look, the Lord rebuke you. That means if we're right with the Lord, we can look at this enemy and be like, yo, listen, the Lord rebuke you. This is the way things are going to happen here. You have no claim against me because he who was covered by the blood is truly covered. And we know the truth. We're going to be set free from all of these false systems. So um, let me just drop this, this other question here. And you guys just start throwing questions out that you personally have, or you've gotten from a listener, whether it's an email, you got a text message from a friend, however they came in. But I had a, a message come in that says, um, what about all the supernatural stuff? Why are the Nephilim and wild beasts talked about? And why is the word wild beast come up differently? Like if you actually do your, your study, when we see wild beast or beast in revelation or just all throughout the Bible, we don't have, uh, it doesn't just mean a cow. Like there's actually like if you go read in the concordance, you'll be able to tell exactly what that word means. So in the English, we streamline through it. So what this person really was saying is, where's the line drawn between these beasts? Does that have to do with cryptids, chimeras, strange things of that? I think we start getting into that realm a little bit. And uh, the book of Enoch, first Enoch is welcome for good conversation, in my opinion, also. So <laughs> passing it on to Can you repeat else. that, Rod? Because the, the, there was a series of questions there. Can you repeat those again? Yeah, so he is asking, um, what does the Bible say about the supernatural stuff, the Nephilim or the wild beast? How come when a wild beast is mentioned in the English, we just think it's cattle, but it, but the actual root words mean something specific, which would give a whole new context to the verses where we find beast in the Bible. This is There's just speculation, but could could that be something something to do with shape shifting? Because I'm trying to remember, All right, guys. That's it. Here we go. <laughs> Time to get weird. Roll them off. I'm trying to remember <laughs> which which guest it was on on Blurry Creatures. It might have been Doug Van Dorn. I don't recall. Might have been Gary Wayne. But they were talking about Saul being told to kill even all the animals, and he disobeyed. And and the guests on Blurry Creatures said that uh, there was some, there's some evidence that 
that there that this particular group was known to be shapeshifters and they could have disguised themselves as animals and so Saul could have unknowingly been bringing these things into his kingdom and God was protecting him yeah protecting him and Saul was disobedient and that's why Saul got passed over and it went to David but I don't know maybe that has something to do with the wild beasts that's just speculation though I don't know and Michael, real quick, I want to say this, like in my wife's culture, my wife's from Southeastern Asia, right? She's been here right. since she was like 19 years old. And a lot of the times when we go to like a local church, there's things that like we would, we'll talk about at home in privacy, where she'll tell me things, you know, and, but she would never bring it up there. And I'm going, break down that wall, please. Someone give my wife the microphone and let her talk about the chimeras and the things that they literally they know exists. Like they went to war with these things. Like on the intro of my show where LA Marzulli is in the, the show's intro, which by the way, yeah. all those vocals are people I've interviewed over the years I on the know. podcast. He's saying <laughs> God gave me that one. Cause I was listening and I had all these snippets on the back burner, but anyway, that's another story for another time. And LA talks about these 12 footers coming, walking down the path. And the young braves, the young men are up in the tree with a spear and then they drop down. They, they have to literally launch down with the spear to kill him. That's his story. His first time on, I think it was season one of the podcast talking about in the Philippines, the young braves going to war because there's 7,528 islands there. A lot of them, there's no technology. It's uninhibited. And there is more than just rumors of giants and cryptids and creatures that come out of that region. Like they live and die by that stuff. And they're not entertained by like Netflix, like we are over here. And I just think that Michael, I want you to kind of comment on that a little bit because we do get a lot of listeners from out of the country. Like we get a lot of people from the Philippines that listen in, in Germany and all over the place. But for those people that are not under the American mimicked illusion that comes out of Hollywood, right. And all this stuff. Um, how would you kind of like comfort them to be like, listen, if you guys are engaging with American church or you're engaging with missionaries, quote unquote, missionaries are coming through. Um, here's the confidence to be like, yeah, you know what? The little people are real and we've been going to battle with them. Cause I feel like all the foreigners were zip their lips shut when there's an American missionary and they just, you know, whatever they come through and they tell them all this stuff, but like we need to be able to bind the strong man and pray against that stuff. So what, what does your brain do with that, Michael? Cause you spent so much time over there. You're like, really like half Asian at heart, you know? Well, yeah. Geraldine is, is literally the only Asian I've, I talk to now. It's weird being in white America again. Like I'm not used to being, I'm like, I always say, it's like, is this even legal to have this many white people living somewhere these days? Like I thought America was all like against <laughs> white people and I live in Haywood County in North Carolina. And it's just like, it's Norway. definitely not politically correct to be that white anymore. Yeah, they're everywhere. Days. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of things out there. I mean, your wife, I'm sure has so many stories too, and just the traditions. And I mean, it's not like you're seeing it every day, but over the years, you know, you see stuff and you hear stuff and you, you engage with things. And I'm a big believer in, in just the spiritual dimension is so real around us all the time and that we need to be more conscious of it. And not to sound all new agey and like, you know, protect your energy, dude. Like, here, take some of this. This will really help you, like, clear your mind and, like, see things, man. Like, dude. No, I don't do drugs. Say no to drug. Um, however, to, by faith, engage in spiritual warfare, just a little about me since, you know, your audiences might not know. My family worked directly with Derek Prince 
actually runs Derek Prince Ministries right now. And my grandfather wrote all these books about deliverance and um, just demon battles and spiritual warfare. And so this was, I mean, I'm no like guru guy. Like I'm kind of spoiled into this, like kind of grew up John Connor, you know, you're going to, your family, you know, you're going to, you guys are going to do it in the future kind of thing. Like just, this is all just in my blood in my family. So then to go to Japan and go to Nepal and go to Taiwan and all these countries and then to join, I joined a cult for a little while. I'm still in touch with a lot of ex members that, you know, they've calmed down their fringe beliefs and I'm like, Hey, we could really use some fringe beliefs these days. Like any of you guys still got any fight left in you? Um, it was heavily biblical centered centric and total on like everything fringe Christian, like memorize the Bible. In fact, they were the ones that led me to know Alex Jones, Infowars and fringe Christian material, LA Marzulli, just individuals from that group, the children of God. But man, we would see things so often. I knew so many people. So it was like, oh yeah, um, in India, we, we saw those blue elephant weird things. Like it came into one of the kids' rooms late at night. I ran in the bedroom and there's this big glowing blue demonic entity with an elephant nose. And boy, we started praying against that thing in the name of Jesus and it left. But I'm telling you, those things are real. And I'm like, what? Really? You know, stories about chimeras, weird like train stories about people seeing like the Indian army has monkey human hybrids. These are not podcasts, mind you. These are like direct testimonials stuff with ghosts. You know, I would see ghosts sometimes you would just, you can feel it when you go to like an Asian country. It's like a soup of just, wow. Yeah. There's a lot of Asia. There's a lot of idol worshiping going on around here. And you guys don't even have to go to the Asia anymore because it's in, it's coming here. Third world's coming here, baby. I found an ashram the other day. And I'm getting off topic really quick, but I, I was doing a clean. We do like property managing and just whatever we can do to to pay the bills. And then I passionately will stay behind the microphone. I was at a clean and I got this. I was so tired. I got this vision of an Indian, like a almost like an angelic. It was very heavenly. You get this blissful, peaceful feeling when the Holy Spirit's talking to you, even if it's t- something totally crazy. And it was this Indian voice that started to kind of cheer me on and i thought i was going crazy and i started to talk like this little bit feeling like indian night what is wrong with me and i'm literally just like god please help me get this done i'm so tired and then and it, it passed and got, everything worked out job done go outside there's all these indian people driving down the mountain and i'm like what the heck where are you guys coming from so i drove up the mountain and there's a big old ashram like an indian temple legit like they imported stuff from india just down the street hundreds if not thousands of indians i was the only white guy like i'm used to and i'm there with my camera just like hi i'm seeing like 12 foot tall demon statues american dollar bills being sacrificed to idols like weird creepy stuff they're like worshiping idols down the street so, I mean, this stuff, and you can feel that weird, soupy, like, whoa. And I'm just like, oh, man, I want to take pictures of, like, snakes, like, DNA kind of gods and idols. Which, I mean, giants, like, demonic, evil, giant statues that they imported from India. I mean, this is the real thing. And, I mean, my heart is to win souls. So, I mean, we should be missionaries at heart and just focus on winning souls. But I'm like, oh, yeah, challenge accepted. You guys got demons? Well, God, this is your turn. Do something. Do that whole, you know, that God thing 
let's see you do that. Like burn the wet logs and the prophets of Baal. And that's where I get so excited. And and the only criticism I have to fringe Christian stuff is that people tend to focus on, you know, Timothy Alberino and all right, here's what you need to know about the face peelers. And like, so I was down there with my night vision goggles and he's like going on and on. And like, (laughs) where's the, where's the moment of God showed up? You know, that's what I, that's where I'm focused. So I hope that answers your question. When we get into these type of topics and we're trying to figure out, you know, what, what are all these cryptos? What, what's up with UFOs? What's up with this? What's up with that? But nobody's talking about it because of the fear. And that's the thing that, that I think people need to realize is you're holding yourself back from learning the full truth that God wants to reveal to you because you don't think it aligns to your worldview, your personal worldview that you got. And what I want to say is, is there's a lot of people that they don't realize that you grew up in a certain time, in a certain era, in a certain place in the world, on a certain you know, block in a certain neighborhood and your perspective of the entire, whatever we want to call it, cosmos, realm, dimension, whatever we're in, how do you think that you're ever going to fully understand all of the truth if you don't pull yourself outside of that paradigm of well, this is just how it is at my house, you know, because I grew up this way, or this is how, this is how we do it at my church. Or maybe you're from a big city and you go to big city church, mega church, and you guys all, you know, wear skinny jeans and you're stopping to get your coffee and you've got scarves on and all that stuff. That's awesome. Okay. But there's also small town churches where these people are like four or five people getting together. I mean, like Pete was saying, they're just getting together in their house and they're talking about God and that's it. And they're letting Jesus be the head of that meeting instead of, you know, some guy up there telling us all what we need to understand about the Bible in, in his way, with his translations, with all of his knowledge and his life circumstances. Before we came on the podcast, me and Rod were just rapping back and forth, and I and I said it's so crazy that when you're when you're reading the Bible, it actually says that you shouldn't take your teaching from man. Like we're not we're not taking our teaching from man; we're taking our teaching from the Holy Spirit. That's what Jesus says. Jesus says, "I'm giving you a comforter. I'm giving you this Spirit, this this teacher, and and you're not supposed to be learning from man." Paul even says, what, what gospel do you think that I ha- that I'm giving you? Do you think that this is from my own accord? This isn't my gospel. This isn't, I, I got this from the spirit of God, you know, and that's such a huge point that he's making because we're all running around like, and I mean, we've dropped some names, obviously like Mike Heiser and all these guys that we, that we've, but those guys are the front runners, right? They're just the John the Baptists in the in the wilderness, you know, just, just pointing everybody to Jesus, pointing everybody to their Bible so that they can actually get into it and read it in its original context. And so going back to what I was saying at the beginning, and I'll wrap with this, is you, you have to get outside of your own bubble that you live in 
and you have to realize that the Bible wasn't written for you. It, it wasn't. It was written to a whole nother group of people at a whole nother group of time. And those people thought that it was such an important life-altering event that happened and they thought that this God of the universe was telling us something so incredible that they decided to keep telling other people and writing it down and telling other people and writing it down. And it got to the point where the oral history and I mean, we even found Dead Sea Scrolls and stuff like that. Right. And so this tradition of people passing on this baton is is what we're trying to do here. We're trying to continue to push. And if we can't get outside of our own comfort zones and our own spaces, our own bubbles, we're going to have a hard time opening up to what God has for us because it's way bigger than you can even imagine. Mm-hmm.